0: Police say the suspect, 31-year-old Jeffrey Dahmer, has confessed to the killings of 11 people whose remains were found
1: in his apartment. We are all evil
0: in some form or another.
1: Are we not? Lock your doors. Lock your windows. If you have the ability to provide
0: additional security devices, then by all means do so.
1: Hey guys, welcome to episode 146 of The True Crime Couple. I'm Kay. And I'm John. And we hope that you're all doing really well We want to thank you, as always, if you've left any new reviews for us on the podcast platforms that you use to listen to us. And if you are new to our Patreon page, where you get a bonus two episodes a month, please stay tuned until the end. And we will all, well, just me, and John. He refuses to read the names. (laughs) We will thank you personally. Okay, now we know what you love when we jump right into it. So, John. Are you ready to hear something crazy?
0: I am ready. I have my pen and pad here. I like to like jot down notes and do things. I also have a hard cider here. Um, no commercial or anything, just a hard cider for myself, because it's come to my attention that there is this new drinking game that seems like it could be a lot of fun. So I might do it. So every time that I say a certain phrase, I will make sure I drink some of my hard cider.
1: We had an amazing review or someone said that John says something all the time, so we'll have a drink every time he says it. But really we repeat ourselves a lot and we thank you and God bless you for staying with us through it all, but we always say the same things like 100%, 100%. people always say, too. Yep. And
0: then also, uh, well, you, you know, what's actually, oh my God, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought now. Uh, it's uh, when I say, oh, well, you got to think about it. If you think about it,
1: Yeah. <laughs> which is true,
0: I do do that, but trust me, it's I am not offended at all. I, I think we love it's it. hilarious. And um, well, we wouldn't be where we are right now if we had thin skin right
1: that's very true but i also think that it'd be great to get all of the things that we say over and over again like written down so we can make a true crime couple (laughs) drinking game
0: you know what that that i'm starting today i'm gonna start so if you hear me drinking that's why
1: (laughs) okay so let's get into the episode yep Amanda Rapasky woke up on the morning of July 27, 2000 and began to make breakfast for herself and her two children, who were ages five and two. The 24-year-old was expecting again, and her and her husband, Dave, could not have been more excited. The couple lived in North Braddock, Pennsylvania, located right outside of Pittsburgh. They had met in high school, and they were now living the dream that they had always planned together. On that morning, David wasn't home. He had two jobs to support the family. One is a cook and the other he had repossessing cars, both of which meant that he would not be home like for long amounts of time. Like he had odd hours. So guess like, you can imagine a cook at various different restaurants, whether it's like for breakfast, lunch or dinner, and then you never know when you're gonna have to repo a car. So
0: it seems a little hectic, but hey, you know what? David's out there hustling.
1: Yes, he is. And, you know, they're going to have three kids, so...
0: Kind of have to. It's
1: expensive. (laughs) So what made David's erratic work schedule easier to handle was the support that Amanda got from her mother, Linda. Now, Linda McClellan lived in Forest Hills, which is technically the next town over, but the two lived kind of like on the edge of their community. So in reality, they were only about a mile apart, so it was within walking distance to get there. Now, Linda had had Amanda when she was 20 years old. So at 44, she was going to be a grandmother of three. That's uh, that's young. That is young. That's young young
0: grandma status. (laughs) I know. That makes
1: me feel bad for our mothers who definitely want to be grandmas. And sorry, guys. Well, we're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) So that Thursday morning went on as usual. At around 11 a.m., Amanda received a knock on her door. On the other side was her mother's boyfriend, Harry Craig. Now, Craig had been dating her mother for about five years at that point, so she knew him well. She also knew that the two of them did not have the best relationship. Her mother and Craig would fight a lot, and Amanda felt like he was a bit abusive, and he used drugs, something she didn't want around her mother, obviously. So, needless to say, she wasn't the biggest fan of this man but something seemed wrong this time. Wrong in a different way. Harry Craig said that he thought there was something wrong with Linda or that something had happened to her. He said that the two of them had a bit of an argument the night before, something Amanda was aware of. She told him, Harry, that she wanted to break up with him and completely split ways. Okay. So Craig did note that conversations like this happened before. He said he'd been trying to call Linda all morning, but she wasn't picking up the phone. So he thought, you know, maybe she just doesn't want to talk to me, but I really want to talk to her. So he decided to go over her house. But when he got there, Linda, whose car was still in the driveway, was not answering the door. And she didn't appear to be home at all. And that was why he was there. He thought maybe Linda had walked over to her daughter's house because it is July. The weather's nice. So he was basically, you know, hey, is, is Linda home? I'm worried about her.
0: OK, I mean, it seems fair enough. No suspicion yet.
1: <laughs> well, Amanda's like a little taken aback by this whole situation because she felt as if Craig was violating her mother's wishes in some ways. Like, if she wanted to break up and she didn't want to talk to him, it was a little invasive to go over her house and now come over to her daughter's house. So she wasn't a huge fan of that. She knew that her mother most likely probably wanted to be left alone. So now it was her responsibility, she felt, to defuse the situation, so she told Craig that it would be best if maybe he gave her mother some space. And to try to calm him down, she promised, I'll speak to my mother and encourage her to call you. No, she's like placating him to kind of give them both space, which is seems like needs to happen here.
0: Yeah, have, you know, cooler heads prevail.
1: Correct. So Harry Craig left Amanda's house and she was left feeling a little nervous and concerned for her mother's safety. She called her mother. Linda always picked up the phone for Amanda. They spoke multiple times a day, and she was obsessed with her grandchildren. She was also very excited to have another one on the way. And while Amanda had been pregnant, Linda made it a point to call her every day and see how she was feeling. She also lived less than a mile away, so... She loved getting those random phone calls that are like, hey, do you want to pop over for half an hour? So Amanda was confident that if her mother was home, that she would pick up the phone for her and not her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend.
0: I understand now. I mean, I guess I I see what you're saying. You know, depending on what the fight was about, if it must have been serious if they wanted to, you know, break up or break it off or whatever. So I can understand, like, maybe things took uh, a turn for the worse, and that's why she left the house.
1: Yeah, like, oh, maybe she was just like, I need to actually take some space. And maybe she went to take a walk or something because he wouldn't stop calling the house phone.
0: Some people do that. Some people get in their car or they walk or they do whatever. But we know what happens with that. I
1: was just going to say. We
0: know what happens with that. Every time that happens
1: twice it's happened all of a
0: sudden you're never heard from again you're the victim of a serial killer <laughs> you know but it's but it's true though like that it's kind of weird how that has some sort of correlation if you're
1: fighting with your spouse don't let them leave the house for a walk because just they stay will be a victim stay the of conference a killer. of your
0: house don't leave
1: yeah if you know when you go to like engagement parties and they're like what's the secret to a happy marriage imagine if i wrote that just don't leave the house when you fight because serial killers my are out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh
0: my God. You would. Then you I really what? wouldn't have But friends. that's how you truly know that you do have a true crime podcast I and know. that you do enjoy true crime <laughs> because only a brain that likes true crime would think that way. I know.
1: So Amanda intended when she called her mother to say, like, I think you should come over our house because I don't like the fact that Harry Craig has been calling you repeatedly. He came over to your house. He came over to my house. So I would just feel, you know, safer if you were home with me and Dave and the kids. But Amanda never got to tell her mother that because the phone just kept ringing. Now, Amanda knew, as well as Craig did, that Linda should have been home. It was her day off from work. It was Thursday and she had a job at a local restaurant as a waitress. But there was no answer on the phone. She thought that maybe her mother was at the store. But as the day crept on, she got more and more worried. She knew all of the places that her mother went to shop. So if she had been out running errands, it really would have only taken her an hour or so. It wouldn't have taken her the entirety of the day. And Amanda had been calling every hour to see if her mom was home yet. And she had gotten no response. So at that point, she was really worried. She also hadn't heard from her mom either, who was calling every day. So at around 8.30 p.m., she decided to go over to her mother's house. So when she got there, she found the door to be locked. Now, this is something that was odd because when her mother was not home, which she knew her mom wasn't home because she wasn't picking up the phone, her mother always left the door unlocked. Okay. So this is a bit of a reverse situation. Usually when someone goes to someone's house and they find the door locked, they go, oh, that's normal. But here it's abnormal because Linda always left her door unlocked when she wasn't home in case like she knew a lot of people in the community. They needed something from her house. So she wanted them to always know her door was open.
0: I feel like that's the first red flag of uh, today's episode. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, just the regular habits of our, of our Well, victim. what you should
0: be doing, yes. But you should be locking your doors uh, on, on things, yes. But I think here it is interesting because it is, once again, something out of character. She normally does not lock her door to her home, but it is. So that would indicate to me if she didn't do it, then somebody did not knowing that she left it unlocked all the time. or oh, interesting. Yeah, or locking it because there's something to be found inside that this... Uh, If she has been harmed, they don't want people to find out. Right. Right. And also that means that her keys must have been taken, uh, were taken as well. Right. Her car was not moved because you said her car was there, but someone had to take the keys to lock it from the outside. Well, now I
1: will say this is like a very, it's a it's 2000 locks are very different than like today Mm -hmm. and the mechanism on her front door, you were able to lock the door from the inside and then close it. And then it's locked.
0: Oh, so it wasn't like a deadbolt lock. No. Okay. So yeah, I guess you're right. It's almost like, uh, the locks you use, like, uh, some of the old school locks when you like on a bathroom door, you could lock it and then just like push it shut.
1: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what the door lock was like. Um growing up my lock on my house door was like that too, which in retrospect is terrifying.
0: Yeah, you know, the deadbolt is definitely necessary.
1: Yeah. So Amanda had a key obviously to her mother's home, so she let herself in. Inside she found that things were out of place. Her phone was missing, meaning her like the phone on her wall. Okay was missing and it looked like the wire of the phone had been cut her home phone like there she didn't have a cell phone she also noticed that her mother's keys were still there on the counter
0: oh okay damn all right well it was worth the theory it's okay every once
1: in a while i need to prevail here that's okay that's okay (laughs) so amanda searched for her mother throughout the the house and she didn't find her in the house, so she figured the next thing she could do was return to her home and call people that her mother might be with or may have heard from her, but everyone she called knew nothing and had not heard from Linda since the day earlier in the day before. At that point, she felt like she had significant cause to go to the police and file a missing persons report. She just feared that this wasn't the same thing that had happened before with her mother. So when Amanda went to the police station to report her mother missing, she heard what any of us would hear. You have to wait 48 hours before reporting an adult missing. And that was when Amanda had no choice but to go into her mother's health history. She told the officer at the Forest Hills Police Department that her mother had a history of mental illness and leaving and if she had left she believed that there might be something wrong and she also believed that her mother might be a danger to herself especially because her medication that she needed to take on a daily basis was still at the house so that changes everything so now that whole uh, 48 hour thing kind of goes out the window because there's specific red flags involved in this missing person's case. So the officer asked Amanda to explain the history, and she did. There's a lot of history here. So in 1975, Linda had met Amanda and her sister Marcy's father in high school, same as she did. Isn't that cute? So because her father was in the Army, she explained that they moved around a lot. From what she could remember, her parents had a great marriage. The change in her mother happened over time and then all at once, as Amanda could remember it. She recalled some behaviors that had been a bit unusual from her mother, one of them hugging her a little too tight for too long and being paranoid about what would happen to her. And once when the family lived in Germany for an extended period of time, her mother had obsessive thoughts about religion, and she would bring her daughters to pray in the German churches for hours. And then afterwards, they would visit cemeteries on the grounds, and there they would pray to the statues within the cemeteries. Shortly thereafter, Linda had been diagnosed with schizophrenia. After the diagnosis, Linda began taking medication to help her live with her mental illness. This took time to adjust to, but Amanda reported that when her mother was taking her medication, as recommended, that she was doing really well. She was able to maintain healthy relationships and go to work. However, when she was not taking her medication, she would experience extreme hallucinations. Amanda was nine years old the first time her mother disappeared. She remembered that she and her sister had just arrived home and they ran through their front door because they were excited because one of their cats was about to have kittens. So they burst through the door and they started searching the house. And of course, the first place they look into is closets because that's, you know, a dark, quiet area where usually cats tend to give birth. And when the two young girls, nine and seven at the time, went into their parents' closet, they saw that all of their mother's things were gone. And that had been the first time Amanda knew her mother left. She had been terrified. But after a few weeks, her mother returned. Over the next few years, the same thing happened several times. And although Linda's husband loved her and tried really hard to help her live with her schizophrenia, it was very taxing on their relationship. And it was around that time, when Amanda was 12, that the couple divorced. Because Linda was not in the best of health or taking her medication at the time, her husband was given custody of the two girls. Now, he still loved Linda very much. He just knew that he couldn't live in an unknown, chaotic situation anymore. And he knew that it wasn't good for his children to be raised in one either. But because of the love that he still had for her, he would never speak a negative word about Linda to the girls. He would tell them that their mother loved them very much and that all of this, the divorce and them not living near each other, was not their mother's fault at all. That if she could, she would be with them and she would be when she was ready.
0: We have to give some credit to the husband slash father here um, just because that situation that he's dealing with and uh, the fact that the kids are going through it as well is very traumatic and very taxing on a partner when when, I should say on the person that you're with because she's not showing signs of being too stable at the moment. Correct. And for him to say it's not your mother's fault She's dealing with some things right now, like and just constantly kind of elevating the mother, even though everything that's going on like that takes a lot of courage and a lot of like I don't know because not the first thing you always you just you good all, yeah character. it's like you want to like I Say. the average person would talk hell of shit and you know it that's like true. you know you're unfortunately going through divorce. it happens all the time right. during divorces. you're going through divorces like the, the partner's going to talk shit about the other one and vice versa but he didn't do that no because he knew that the most important part of the family are the kids that's
1: true and that's a very selfless person and yeah. and parents are supposed to be selfless and i think that that's wonderful that he showed that and i think it's also indicative to their relationship and the love that they shared, and it, it's like unfortunate that other factors entered into their relationship and got in the way. Yeah, but at the core, they they still loved each other, which is nice. They it's good when respect can happen throughout a divorce process, especially when there's kids involved. Not to say that that can always happen; it's in, it's really is determined by the situation. But here, he did a wonderful job. He did. And Linda did as well. She tried as hard as she could to get her life back on track. She went back to Forest Hills, Pennsylvania. That's where her parents lived. And she moved in with them. Losing her daughters and her marriage was devastating for her. She used the events as a catalyst to try and get better. At home with her parents, she was getting healthy again. She'd been taking her medication and she got herself a job. In addition to that, she would spend her time outside of work caring for her ailing father. She was doing everything in her power to right her life so she could have her kids back. Amanda loved her mother and knew how hard she was trying. So when she turned 16 years old, she chose to move in with her and came to live with her mother in Forest Hills. And it was then that the two got very close with each other and became each other's best friends.
0: That's really nice.
1: This is like a very wonderful example of um, a family having gone through some hardships and both parents trying their best to maintain a healthy life for their children.
0: It's actually the perfect example of even when you're down and out and you're at your lowest, there are ways to To come back up and change and turn things around. Yes. So that's always a possibility. That's a good thing.
1: And it makes this situation all the more sad.
0: That's also true.
1: So Amanda told the police that her mother had a history of leaving for weeks at a time, but that the last time she had done so was a while ago. Like, that's not to say that there weren't some hiccups and bumps in the road, because since Amanda had been there, there had been some times where Linda would leave, but that hadn't happened in years. And what Amanda said was, this wasn't that situation. I know what happens when my mom kind of just goes. She takes all of her things with her. She would pack up as if she was completely leaving, like going on a long, long long-term vacation. And this time, none of that had happened. She left everything back at her house, her purse, her keys, her clothes. Everything was still there. So she was adamant that something was wrong with her. And because there was a possibility that Linda could be a danger to herself, especially because she didn't have her medication, the police began their investigation right away. Amanda explained further about her mother to detectives. She said that for the last several years, she had been very stable, had a good job, friends, and she helped her all the time with her grandchildren. She loved her grandchildren. And the police put out an APB for Linda McClelland and then went to search her home. Upon entry, the detectives did suspect foul play. Her home was in disarray, and things were scattered all over the place. There was dry cleaner left in the sink. Now, Amanda told detectives, Um, because she was there to come. They asked, like, can you come to the house and tell us if anything is missing or out of place or whatever? So that's why Amanda was there. And she said that her mother was a bit of a clean freak. She was always cleaning, especially her kitchen. So what it seemed like was that her mother had been in the middle of cleaning her sink when something happened. And like I said before, um, they found her purse, her keys, and all of her clothing still located within the home. Now, because it looked so suspicious, the police did a luminol test of the home, but they found no traces of blood.
0: Okay. You you know, that is interesting uh, with the cleaner and like even the the phone with the wire kind of cut off and just weird things all strewn about everywhere. Yeah, it's like, okay, was someone in the house with her during this or did she open the door and let someone that she knew come in?
1: That's very interesting.
0: You know, because if someone was there, like if the, for example, if the boyfriend was there overnight and then a fight ensued or someone around, I'm going to call them a random, came to the door, opened it, and then they forced their way in. Okay. And then think about it if someone either knew the home or even a random would notice, Oh, okay. This is one of those door knobs that you could just lock, and then I don't even have to. I could just close the door.
1: Well, it seems like my way out. <laughs> she wasn't in the habit of really locking. Like, if there's, if someone seems okay enough to unlock their door when they're out, I would imagine she's not the kind of person that always locked her door when she was home. Maybe at night when she was going to bed, but not throughout the day when she's awake. So somebody might not have even had to have broken in, they could have just opened the door.
0: Well, I'm going to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into that too because think about this then. She was friendly with all the neighbors, right? Right. So if you think about it, knowing how nosy neighbors can be, even if there's only one, that would make me think if someone went to her home, it had to be somebody she knew. Yeah. Because... That knew her habits. That knew her habits or, or just or just have been there before. Right. Right? Because, and, and, and I'm saying cat, like... Like, all the time. Yes. Not just a one-time thing. So, like, I would maybe canvas all the neighbors and see if they've seen anything. And and I, and I wouldn't even say out of the ordinary. I would ask, what have you seen that's a constant thing? Okay. Who do you keep seeing come to the house? Interesting. That's where my brain's headed at. Okay. Like, maybe it's somebody that she does know that makes frequent stops. Maybe the boyfriend. Okay. Maybe maybe a friend that she has, or maybe another neighbor that's friendly and comes over, or whatever.
1: Okay. Like who is a occasional visitor to the house, right? Or, or someone who visits the house on a or regular frequently. basis. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also something that I want to just explain before I go further on into the story. So although the wire was cut on the phone downstairs, Linda also had a another phone in the house so that's why like the phone lines weren't cut but just that phone's cord was cut
0: was pulled out okay yeah
1: so that's why the phone was ringing continuously and they weren't getting a, a, like a busy signal gotcha okay so amanda was asked to come back to the station so they could talk about you know what led up to the disappearance what happened and ask more things about her mother and, you know, they figured, as most detectives do, that maybe what had happened in the days leading up to her disappearance may give hints as to what occurred. So Amanda agreed to do this. She said that the previous night at 9 p.m., she, her husband David, and their children had gone to a street fair. She said the street fair was very loud And, you know, she's dealing with two kids who are young, and there was a lot going on, so she didn't hear her phone ringing in her pocket. But when she checked it, she realized that she had some missed calls from Harry Craig, her mother's boyfriend. So when she called him back, he was very upset. And this is how she knew about the fight that had happened the night before. He told her, your mom is not okay. She's throwing glass and breaking things around the house. It was clear that the two of them were fighting. So Amanda knew that she kind of had to intervene in this situation. I guess you could say that the, the dynamic of the relationship between Amanda and Linda, although they are best friends and mother and daughter, is really complicated because Amanda, I'm sure from everything she experienced in her childhood is probably always on guard with her mother, not wanting chaotic things to happen within her life because she doesn't want to set her mother off of like down the road of maybe not taking her medication or leaving again. So it seems like Amanda always kind of helps her mom in every situation. Right. In a
0: way she becomes the caretaker in a, in a way.
1: Right. So in that situation, when Harry Craig called her, Amanda returned to her house and had one of her friends come over to watch her children while she and David went to go check on her mother. Now, Linda only lived about a mile away, so it was a short ride. They got there pretty quickly. And when they got to the location, her mother answered the door. When she did so, she seemed to be really calm and she invited them inside. Within the house, they noticed that Harry Craig had been exaggerating a little bit. Only one glass that had been on a pretty high shelf had been broken, but everything else in the house was intact. Amanda told her mother what Harry had said was going on, and Linda got really upset. She swore that that wasn't true and that he was blowing things out of proportion again. Amanda knew that at that point, her mother and Harry were breaking up. She knew her mother wanted to end the relationship, but it was proving to be a little bit more difficult than Linda had estimated it was going to be. And that's scary. I will say that um, my mom listens to the podcast. So, mom, I love you. Sorry, I'm going to put you on blast a little bit. Oh, come on, I okay. know. <laughs> Sorry, Patty. But when because my father passed away years and years ago, guys. not years and years ago, God, 2019, February of 2019. But my mom had dated this guy after, like, I'd say like a year ago, right? And when my mom wanted to break up with him, I was very nervous for her. I don't, I guess, you know, roles reversed, right? Because I'm sure yeah. she felt the same way when I was going through breakups as a kid. But I was nervous for her safety because I thought, well, how is this man going to respond? And it made me a little scared. So I can imagine that Amanda must have felt the same in this situation. Well, my mom is breaking up with this man who she knows is a drug user. And she knows her mother wants to kind of live a more straight life in order to stay good within her with her mental illness so i could imagine she was really protective of her mom and nervous that something bad was going to happen with this man and it seemed like it was getting a little violent
0: i think that she's trying a man is trying to do damage control and i think that it's because when you're dealing with someone like her mother she doesn't want anything to be causing her like giving her extra stressors because it's already a lot to stay on the on a on a on a straight path. Correct. So any little thing, any bump in the road, could lead to her running off or doing something that's not within her character to do while on medication because right. the medication is going to straighten her out. But she doesn't want anything to go wrong, and I think that's also what it might be too.
1: Right, because this breakup was seeming tumultuous. She was worried not just for the physical safety of her mother, but also for her mental health. Right. So Linda swore that she was fine and that they didn't have to be there. Amanda and David came to the conclusion, after having been there for about an hour and a half, that Linda really was okay and that they were going to leave and get back to the kids. And it was like a Wednesday night, so it was kind of, you know, late for them. So they said their goodbyes. Now, this led the detectives to one conclusion, Harry Craig. Not only had he been the one to figure out that Linda was missing, he had gotten into a fight with her the night before. So he definitely was a person of interest that they wanted to talk to. But because they didn't want to get caught on a one track, you know, thought process, the Forest Hills Police Department also reached out to the media. Because they believe that Linda may have wandered off or could potentially be in danger or a danger to herself, they spoke with the local news and newspapers and asked for assistance in getting the word out about Linda McClelland being missing, so they would have more eyes looking for her. As the word spread throughout the community, there was an overwhelming response from people that had known or interacted with Linda for years, and they all wanted to help. She was very loved. Family members joined the volunteers, and this is obviously alongside the police. They searched the woods that existed between Amanda's house and Linda's. The thought process was that maybe she had been trying to get to her daughter's house and might have gotten either disoriented or maybe an accident happened. So Amanda was very vocal to her family members, around this time about the overwhelming guilt she was feeling right she kept thinking like what if my mom had stopped taking her medication and because she had like obviously when you go off of your medication a certain amount of it is still in your system and then after a few days it kind of dissipates in your system so she's thinking maybe my mom had stopped taking her medication and I wasn't noticing the signs and then when she came to walk to my house that one day through the woods, she may have gotten disoriented because the medication was now completely out of her system and she was having hallucinations again. So she was feeling very guilty about this. And her husband really tried to comfort her to let her know that that wasn't the case. She really can't blame herself. He also wanted her to take care of herself because she was pregnant. Um, so not only is Amanda getting herself worked up about all of this, she's also searching the woods for hours and hours a day looking for her mother. So the concern was that she was pregnant.
0: That's true. Uh, uh, quick question, though. Uh, we, ha- we did have an alibi for the, uh, for the boyfriend, correct?
1: Well, we're going to get there. Okay. There was no trace of Linda in the wooded area. So everyone took to the streets next and hung up missing posters of the 44-year-old grandmother. When Linda had been missing for about four days, the Forest Hills Police Department requested the assistance of the Allegheny County Police Homicide Department as they had more experience and better resources. At that point, because of the foul play they'd found in the home, Police believed and it's sad to say that Linda most likely had either been injured, taken and, and most likely because of the amount of time she had been missing was maybe not alive any longer, which is why they got the homicide department involved. Amanda told the county police the same information she had given the local ones. Having dealt with cases like this in the past, they briefed Amanda on all the possibilities that existed. Either her mother could have died by suicide, been murdered, suffered an accidental death, or left the state. And those are crazy different spectrums of things that could have taken place. So, as you can imagine, that was overwhelming to hear. The search parties of the woods and the surrounding areas continued, but always with no luck. The family was able to pool money together in order to offer a reward for any information. But as I said, the detectives now from the county and local law enforcement wanted to speak to the man that they suspected of being involved or at the very least of knowing more information than he was giving, Harry Craig. The local detectives had spoken with him the day following Linda's disappearance, and he had stated that he fought with her and then left for the night. He knew nothing of what happened to her. He wasn't even aware that Amanda and David had gone over there after he left. He denied any involvement, and he said he had been with friends after he left Linda's house. And his friends confirmed his alibi.
0: Okay. And this was the night before.
1: Yeah, but it's a little bit of a shaky alibi, you know. But in the days since the investigation began, Amanda informed detectives... Now, working the case that she thought that Harry Craig was exhibiting odd behavior. He would look at a picture of Linda in her home and he would just keep apologizing to it, saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And he would always profusely apologize to Amanda as well. So they just thought that was odd behavior. When detectives went to talk to him again, they asked him what he thought had happened to Linda. He said that maybe she was in the woods. Now, at this point, she'd been missing for five days. He also told them that they may want to take a walk in the woods if they want to find her. Like, he kept saying she's in the woods. They thought this was odd. As, and the detectives, as they were talking to him, did think his behavior was odd as well. So they asked him more about Linda. He stated that the night she went missing, she had called him several times, but he didn't pick up the phone because he, he had friends over. So she had left him several voicemails. In addition to this, he said that Linda told him she was having odd dreams about someone in her backyard digging a hole.
0: That's bizarre.
1: Yes. He also suggested that maybe she could have just left he said that Linda always enjoyed taking really long car rides, that that was something that they always did together. So from all the information that they gathered during the conversation, police didn't really think that Harry Craig did it, but they, they knew he was all over the place and they just felt like he was very odd. Uh, the detectives, of course, asked if they could listen to the voicemails and search his house. And of course, he, he agreed to do that. And although the police agreed with Amanda that he was acting weird, they found nothing in the search of his home, zero physical evidence that he was involved in any crime, and the messages that Linda had left were innocuous, they believed.
0: I mean, it is a little bizarre to say, hey, my girlfriend's missing, but if you want to find her, maybe you should check the woods. That's weird. It's like, are you implying that... You know, like, that you know that she's there for a fact? Right. Like, what's going on with that? I I think that when you are under the microscope, you probably shouldn't say or do anything that would maybe implicate you more to police. I'm just saying.
1: I would say that's probably the best route to go. I think
0: so. But um, I, I am... Like, we haven't checked her job. Is she like, okay, is there anything at work that we should know about? Like, maybe there's someone there that has maybe information that we haven't heard from yet?
1: I think that's a good route to go. I do know the people from her job were very involved in the search effort. So I would say that detectives most likely would have asked questions or they would have come forward, but nobody came forward from her job at all. Okay. Like you mean like if there was like an obsessive customer or maybe. something like an that. Maybe an
0: obsessive customer, maybe an obsessive coworker. Um, You know, we've seen people who maybe actually committed it go out on searches <laughs> because they want to be That's involved in double back to it. That's very true. You know, so th- there's a possibility that not every stone is unturned there. Also, what was the alibi of the, um, the son-in-law?
1: Um, that he was home with the wife, Amanda, her daughter.
0: Okay. Watching, oh, okay, okay. He was with his wife, okay.
1: Yeah, like they had gone home together and then went to bed immediately.
0: Okay. I'm just trying to But
1: then he gets up early and stuff too.
0: Okay. I'm just kind of jotting that down. uh, As a question flag, I mean, we haven't seen anything yet, but I'm I'm just going to point something out here, and I might be speaking to some people, (laughs) you know, nobody that we know. Um, But, like, think about this. If you were married to somebody whose mother was a constant worry and involved a lot and, and ver- constant worry, constant involvement, just just you never have a moment with your family. Like it's always it's like intrusive, I, intrusive is what I'm trying what to get saying. at. Like whether
1: she intends to be or not, it's your wife is always worried about her mother.
0: Correct. Mm-hmm. Could that be? for some people, a trigger to maybe taking actions.
1: Okay, like maybe he's frustrated, like, God, we can't even be at the fair together.
0: Right. Like, could he have... Maybe David snapped.
1: Maybe he did.
0: You know, I don't know what his alibi is or, like, what where he would be if he was at work, home, or whatever, but, I mean, people have no. killed for less, so it's it's possible. And think about this. What better person to know her history than to learn it from her daughter. That's very you true. You know, he knows that if he does something to her, all everyone's going to go, oh, yeah, you know, she probably just skipped town again. She's all for meds. What a likely, like, an easy way of getting out of something where I don't know where she went. She just disappeared again.
1: And, I mean, what a better suspect than Harry Craig.
0: Right. So Her
1: abusive, drug addict boyfriend that she's trying to break up with.
0: It's perfect to get away with it if you're trying to. Okay. I don't know, though, if the motive's solid. and We have nothing to go off of it, but you never know.
1: It's an interesting thought process. Yeah. It's a road we went down. So they really kind of move on from Harry Craig. But there was something that Harry Craig mentioned. um, Another one of his theories. He had many, obviously. He was really all over the place. But he said that maybe Linda died by suicide. And this was something that they had also heard from others other people have suggested amanda's husband david suggested it Um, other family members suggested it to detectives so they said that a few times they had heard linda make statements about jumping off the westinghouse bridge now that particular bridge was well known for suicides because of its height 240 feet over a very narrow, shallow body of water known as Turtle Creek Valley. Now, Amanda didn't agree with this thought process. She said that her mother had said those things as a figure of speech and not really meant it. Um, And people do say those things, you know, just casually. My students get answers wrong. I say I'm going to walk out into the traffic on the main road of the street do you say that i do say that to them
0: (laughs) that's dramatic it is dramatic
1: but it's it's you should hear the answers i get sometimes i can understand so still law enforcement organized a search of the area just to be sure and they found nothing so at around seven days gone a tip comes in that linda had been seen walking on a trail in the next county over and the woman that said. They had seen her had been very adamant that it was Linda that they saw. The detectives and other officers went out to the trail and searched for three days, stopping everyone that was walking on the trail and showed them a picture of Linda and asked if they had seen that woman. Finally, one person recognized her and said that yes, I I've seen her on this trail, and that they said they saw her the day before. So police stay around they want to see if this person or who they're saying is linda comes around and they saw her a woman that looked exactly like linda Ah,
0: oh, damn okay it
1: wasn't linda but that's it was, funny though the detectives told amanda like it's scary how much this woman resembles your mother we all have a doppelganger out Could
0: you there. imagine just like all these cop cars like pull up and you're like, what did I do? <laughs> you look like somebody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a woman that's missing in the next county. That's actually scary. Yeah. So Amanda said that she knew for sure that something had happened to her mother. Something horrible. When her eldest child's birthday came and went and she, she or he had not heard from his grandmother. She said that her grandchildren were everything to her and that if she had left for any reason, she would have at the very least called him. She knew that she had to be dead, and that was a hard realization to come to. As time went on and Linda was still missing, her family had moved on with their lives. In the only kind of way you can with their, this like, open wound kind of still festering in the background. And Amanda and David had their third child, and they were busy keeping up with their hectic family, but Amanda never gave up hope that one day she would know what happened to her mother, and neither did the detectives. Even though months and then years passed on, they all still stayed in contact, and if a lead ever popped up, they would always let Amanda know. But unfortunately, all of those leads never really panned out. About two years after their mother's disappearance, Amanda and Marcy, her sister, got desperate. They wanted answers. Now, this was the time, around 2002, that psychics were making their rounds on the ever-popular talk show scene. So they decided to contact the Montel Williams show.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to go crossing over with John Edward.
1: No, I... You know, when I first <laughs> was reading into this case and they talked to a psychic, John Edwards was the first person I thought of. But no. Sylvia Brown.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty good. I've heard I've heard good things. Oh, there's a
1: lot of controversies with her getting it wrong. Really? Oh, there's a whole website dedicated to it.
0: You know what, Well, you know what? Same thing with John Edwards, though, too.
1: I, I feel like you're better at figuring out what happened in these cases and reading the details than Sylvia Brown or John Edwards has you know what?
0: You know what's? If people saw my notepad, they'd think I'm insane.
1: Yeah, it looks like the... You know... <laughs> never mind. What?
0: Are you going to talk shit about my notepad? No, right I'm now? not. It's a great notepad. I okay. love it. Okay. It's,
1: it's adorable. It's so cute.
0: It has little pictures on it I and like shit. I like it. Okay. I, yeah, anyway.
1: So, they figured... You know, if they share their story on the Montel Williams show and they're featured on an episode, even if they didn't get any information or even if they got the wrong information, there's their mother's case would be broadcasted across the country. And media attention is good for a missing persons case because it's like being featured on Unsolved Mysteries. It's good because people are going to see it.
0: Publicity. It's, it's good for it sometimes. Right. You can get people drawn to it. You might find out a clue or two.
1: Exactly. So they heard back from the show's producers, and they were told they were going to be featured on the show. So on the show, Sylvia Brown told them that their mother was alive, that she had been abducted by a man with the initials of MJ, and she had been taken to Orlando, Florida. Brown said that Linda had left willingly and And that she was alive and staying in a mental health facility somewhere in Florida. So the sisters were grateful for the information. And when they returned home, Amanda shared the information with the detectives. Now, the detectives really didn't take this as a lead, I guess you would say. They didn't think it was going to go anywhere. They thought that, you know, that was just kind of BS. But still, Amanda worked to follow through with it. And she called every facility and psychiatric ward That she could in Florida. Now it's complicated. These facilities are not able to just tell you whether or not they have a patient there, right? They're not allowed to do that. So instead, what they told Amanda at every place she called, and she called hundreds of places, that what they were going to do is because this happens. I wouldn't say on a regular basis, but this happens often where family members call to check on other family members. And these facilities have basically like a board that they'll post messages on for the patients to see. And then it will be the patient's choice whether or not they want to reach it back out to their family. So Amanda left the message, Mom, I'm trying to contact you. Please call me back. So all of these facilities posted this message for Linda McClellan to reach out to her daughter. and if she was there, maybe she would call back.
0: I got a problem with that. Okay, And I don't have a problem with her Amanda reaching out and doing that. I actually have a problem with the police not doing that.
1: Yes, because the police probably it, yeah. could have had a definitive answer as to whether or not. even was if
0: it there. required them to get some sort of subpoena from from a, from a judge or something. Or yeah. reach out. I don't know. I know it's complicated. I know it's not as cut and dry as that. But listen, they have more yep. of, a, a, of a of a better chance of getting the information that they need.
1: They would get through the HIPAA laws.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if she truly is there, I know it sounds like a lot of money and time put into it. But imagine if you find out that she's there, then all that money is saved instead of looking for her and, and going into everything. Right. If she's there, now you, you've, you've solved the case.
1: Right. And I'm sure this is driving Amanda wild because she might have called the place where her mother is, but she would just never know. Yeah. But once she had reached out to every facility she could find, she had to eventually move on again. Something that she felt, of course, really guilty about. Linda had been a part of Amanda's everyday life for the past eight years, so she felt guilty about living her life and loving her children without her mother, and especially not knowing what had happened to her. But then, just when she thought that things couldn't get worse, Easter of 2002 happened. Okay. That morning, the morning of March 30th, after the kids had received their own Easter baskets, Amanda had asked her husband David if he would go to the store to pick up extra baskets because they would be going over his family's house later that day. They needed to bring some more. So before he could come home, she received a phone call from her mother-in-law. She was frantic. And she kept asking her, like, what's going on? What's going on? And Amanda asked her, what do you mean? And she said, David's on the news. He just got arrested. What? David Rapaski had been charged with criminal trespassing and burglary. It was found out that he was a part of a 10-person burglary ring that had, over the past two years, been responsible for over 370 burglaries in the greater Pittsburgh area.
0: That's crazy.
1: Yeah. The men called themselves The Crew.
0: Hold on. This can't be coincidence that the same guy robbing people in this gang of whatever crew crew yeah that's a better word this crew of people and then your mother-in-law is missing and this foul play at the house
1: oh weird weird
0: that's not that can't be coincidence
1: well want me to continue
0: um come on what do you think
1: (laughs) (laughs) so they would gain entry through um roof access really the crew which is like come on guys
0: when you say that the crew, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like,
1: it's like, oh, tell me you haven't left your small hometown without telling me you haven't left your small. Not hometown. even that. Just like those movies,
0: <laughs> movies where it's like you know from the nineties, a gang of misfits try to get into a home or into a bank yes. to rob two billion dollars. Come see it this fall, rated R. Like yes. that, that, like the crew. I know. That that's, that's what that very is like. True. Yeah,
1: that's a good voice. Good job, John. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so. They mostly would break into businesses, but sometimes if they heard there was a lot of jewelry in a house, they would break into homes. Okay, but they were mo- the main majority of the 370 plus burglaries was businesses. So they would gain access through the roof, like roof access, and they would steal anything they could find, cash, sometimes valuables. A few times they even took entire safes from people's homes. So combined, they had stolen over half a million dollars. Amanda was floored; as she had no idea this was going on. She was really confused. So I guess a few times when he was saying he was going on a repo job, it must have been this at night.
0: Well, you don't have a a crew like this and not do canvassing.
1: Oh, well, we'll get into that. Hold on.
0: Okay. I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Yes.
1: Sorry. So, but good. There, we do address that. So she was struggling with the fact that her husband, this man that she had been in love with and known since she was in high school had been living two lives. I mean, she's dealing with the trauma of her mother, and now this, it's like her life is being ripped apart in every direction, every sense of security that she had is now gone. Right? She was seeking solace in her husband after her mother's disappearance, and now he's gone too, and he's betrayed her.
0: Yeah, she's living a lie.
1: So the leader of this crew, as they called themselves, um, would have his wife stake out potential properties... And then after they stole the goods or cash, um, and sometimes they would use physical force if any victims were present, um, they would then sell those goods afterwards. And she would be the one who sold the goods or would be responsible for some like cleaning the money in a certain way.
0: Interesting, yeah, because, I mean, if you steal it, the last thing you want to do is be the person in a pawn shop or some sort of place to sell it after you just took it. But she (laughs) wouldn't
1: be, like, a person you would think would be doing it. No, yeah. So this so-called leader, Donald Fish, was eventually charged with 99 counts of burglary, 12 counts of robbery, and 10 counts of aggravated assault. Eventually, he'd be sentenced to 20 years. And his right-hand man was David Rapasky.
0: This is crazy.
1: Yeah. So David Rapaski did not want to spend that amount of time in prison. He didn't want to leave his family. So he chose to work as an informant for the DA. So there were 10 members of this crew, and he is going to be the one to sell them out. Of course. And one of the people that he turned in was his best friend, DJ Wall or Donald Wall, but they called him DJ.
0: That's because there's no loyalty among thieves. No, there's
1: not. (laughs) Well, DJ and other men that David turned in were all arrested. And some of the men started talking, but DJ didn't. And the detectives kind of had a weird feeling about this, especially because he was the best friend of David Repaski, was best man at his wedding. So they had a feeling that he was hiding something bigger. And because of DJ Wall's association with David Verpasky and his family, they chose to just take a shot in the dark. And while they were interrogating him, they asked, so what happened to Linda McClelland? And DJ Wall started to cry. Cry? Cry. Okay. DJ Wall went on to tell the police what had happened to Linda. In the early morning hours of July 28th, Wall had received a call from his best friend, David Verpasky. He said he needed help with something and needed him at Linda's house. When he got there, he was shocked to see David's mother-in-law dead and half-dressed on the living room floor. From the waist down, she had no clothes on. David told him that he'd been drinking and one thing led to another and he had sex with Linda.
0: No, no, no. Oh, my God.
1: Actually, he admitted that he'd been having an affair. And he insinuated that Linda had confronted him and said something along the lines of, well, now she's going to leave you for good, making it sound like she was going to tell Amanda what happened. So David said he lost it and he punched her and she fell to the ground. And then he proceeded to choke her with his hands. She eventually passed out. And he thought she had died, but she didn't. And when he realized that she was still alive, he stomped on her neck until she did, brutally killing her.
0: Oh, my God. Wait, there is there is way too much to unpack there. Hold on a minute. Yeah. So we're talking about he's having a, an affair with his mother-in-law, Amanda's mother. No, no,
1: no. This is what he's saying. Oh, this is what he's
0: saying. This yeah. is what he's saying. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. He's having an affair with the Mm mother-in-law. And now the mother-in-law is saying, I'm going to tell Amanda now. Yes. Well, let's just say that is true. Let's just say for in this moment, that kind of gives like motive.
1: Yes. But I thought actually, you know, something that you said earlier in this podcast, I didn't really think of. And I think that you're right in saying that there's also just motive in maybe the fact that David Rapasky felt like a little too much of his wife's time, especially now that she's going to be a mother to his third child, was used taking care of her mother. Yeah. So there's many scenarios that could have taken place here. The first is that, like you said, maybe he was like going back over the house because he thought... Maybe that was the catalyst. They were all out as a family having fun, and they all had to go home and rush to Linda's house. So maybe he was going back and saying, this shit has to stop. Yeah. Maybe. That's one thing that happened. Second thing that happened, maybe he went back to the house. We don't know for what reason, but maybe he sexually assaulted her. Yeah. That could be a possibility. Yep. Another is that maybe he found she found out about the burglary ring.
0: I didn't even think about that.
1: And said, I'm going to tell my daughter, and now she's going to leave you for good. Yeah. And then that triggered him. Maybe he was breaking into her house stealing things. Because when he went, this is just... I'm just going off on a limb here, guys. When he went there to be like, oh, Linda, are you okay with his wife? And he noticed valuables, and he thought to himself... Oh, she always leaves her door unlocked. Why don't I just come steal something? Maybe he was trying to do that and she caught him because she was cleaning her sink. She was still awake.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of possibilities here, but I think we are hitting on something because it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. I don't think that her Amanda's mother would go out of her way to have a relationship. Uh, 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 you know, um, an affair with her husband
1: her wife's her, her, her wife, daughter's husband. Her
0: daughter's husband yes like that's 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 crazy yeah talk.
1: i don't think so either only because we know so much about this family's history this woman has worked her butt off to ensure that her daughters are in her life
0: She wouldn't want to ruin that. No,
1: and her daughter's her best friend. She goes over all the time. She's obsessed with her grandkids. Yeah. I don't think she would do that to her daughter. I don't think she'd do that to her grandkids, but it's disgusting that her son-in-law would do that to her memory.
0: Correct. And don't forget what I said earlier. I do truly believe that whatever we find out about this, if he's involved completely here, I, I think that it, it's true what I said. The, he knows the history of her. He knows the situation. Josh
1: Wild, when you said it, I was like, "What the heck?"
0: Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> but you figure it, this but how? One out? But how easy is? Think about that though. It's so easy. You have everything lining up for you. Yeah. you can get away with it. And you're probably right. He probably did go into the house trying to take stuff. There's no way that he didn't.
1: And she's like, "I'm gonna tell my daughter."
0: It's possible.
1: So David had called DJ Wall because he wanted his friend's help in covering up his crime and disposing of her body. Wall told the police that he agreed to do it. He suggested that they take Linda's body and bury it on a piece of property that was located adjacent to his grandmother's house, about three miles away in Chalfont. After they wrapped Linda's body in garbage bags and duct tape, he said that David dug a grave Remember what Harry Craig said? Linda had been having a dream that someone was digging a grave in her backyard. That's
0: creepy. I'm getting like chills just thinking about it.
1: Weird. Um, And then he placed Linda inside. And DJ Wall said that David got into the grave and said, I'm sorry. And then he began to cover her up with dirt.
0: That's very creepy.
1: Yeah. Investigators believe that David Rapaski told on DJ Wall about the burglary because he felt confident that his friend would never say anything about the murder because that would mean he was also incriminating himself. But on this account, he was wrong. But he, for years, watched his wife and kids mourn the loss of their mother and grandmother, and he was supportive of them even crying with them knowing that he did it the whole time he had his pregnant wife walking for hours through the woods searching for her mother that he killed
0: and that's another thing if he's part of that search which he was he knows where he buried her they he was probably leading them away from it
1: well that was it was three miles out of town so So they were searching nowhere near that's horrible So DJ Wall showed investigators where Linda's body was, and they found it in the exact location that he said they would. And based on the examination of what was remaining of Linda's body, a medical examiner was able to determine that the manner of Linda's death was consistent with the story that had been told by DJ Wall. When the detective called Amanda to tell her their findings, they also included the news because... They knew she would be devastated by all of this, that they were finally going to be able to return the body of her mother to her. I mean, that's, geez, that's a phone call. Not only did this detective have to say, you know, we know your mother is dead, but your husband did it.
0: That must be really hard to hear.
1: And I mean, the only, like, I don't even know if it's solace, but Linda's family finally had answers. I mean, as dark and twisted as they were, they at least finally had answers. And David Rapasky was charged with the murder of his mother-in-law on March seventeenth, two 2003. When it comes to the story that David was having an affair with Linda, the family is not buying it. What they believe happened, and this is speculation on their part, just like, you know, we kind of gave our speculation, is that Linda must have found out for some reason that um, David was involved in the burglary ring. I mean, these are 10 people around town. Everyone knows each other in the area. So she might have heard it through the grapevine from someone that David's a part of the crew. Because the, the crew's burglaries had been being reported all over Pittsburgh.
0: Could I add to that quickly? Yeah. Think about her job and what she does.
1: All she hears is gossip. All she
0: hears. Yeah, exactly. You're at a diner. You're at a restaurant. It's all you ever hear is drama right. and theories and stuff like that.
1: I should work at a restaurant. You would love it. <laughs> so she, I always thought, too, that and hairdressers. I hear everything. Oh, I'm sure. I would love it. I tell my hairdresser everything. So... She may have given her son-in-law an ultimatum and said, like, you stop or I'm going to tell Amanda. And maybe that's just what happened. I mean, that's what the family believes, that it has to do with her finding out about the burglary ring. At Rapasky's trial, he maintained throughout the entire procedure that he was innocent. He was advised not to take the stand And in addition to this, the defense team claimed that DJ Wall had the motive to lie about this the whole time, that it hadn't been David that was the killer, but him. They were saying that DJ was blaming the murder on David because David sold him down the river about the other crimes that David sold him down the river on other crimes, such as the burglary.
0: I mean that could make a little sense, but I think that there's there's no
1: motive for yeah, DJ no. Wall to do. No, it. there's not. Isn't it crazy too? Amanda has to look back and be like, the man I on my wedding day, the two people next to me, my husband and his best man, were respond, like involved in the murder of my mother.
0: Yeah. That's, oh my god. That's sick. And you know what? Like like you said, they're going. The family's going on the theory that it was about uh, that the reason why she got murdered was because of. The robbery. Correct. Now, that's great and all, but you don't think for a second that even though all the dust is settled and she's dead and he's in prison, you don't think for a second that maybe she's thinking that maybe there was something going on between the two of them? Because it was mentioned-
1: It's a thought It's process. a
0: thought that will always remain. So even It'll though- It'll be an intrusive thought. Right. Exactly.
1: So during the trial, when DJ Wall was on the stand telling the court everything that had happened that night, Amanda Rapaski did not look at him. Instead, she watched her husband. When he didn't react, no shock, no anger, she said she knew then that he had done what he was being accused of without a doubt. David Rapaski, who was 25 at the time of his sentencing, was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In an interview Amanda gave with the Post-Gazette, she said that her children will never see their father. But she has not told them about this. I feel like she's taking a page of, like, she's being, she's trying to save her children. Right. Um, Her oldest son, who was seven at the time, knew that his grandmother was gone, but not that his father was responsible for her death. Because, as Linda's sister, Amanda's aunt, Leah Miller, stated, how do you tell three children that their father killed their grandmother? The family also remarked that they were upset by the fact that David showed no remorse for what he had done. Leah Miller also added, The problem we're having is that after he did it, he was still sleeping with Amanda. She was pregnant, and he had her trucking through the woods looking for Linda. Donald D.J. Wall was never charged with the murder of Linda in exchange for his cooperation. However, he still faced a significant amount of time for the burglaries that he committed. Now, this is a side note. It was not really focused on and I had to kind of dig to find it. And I think if anyone is quest, I don't think anyone is. But if anyone's questioning the guilt of David Rapasky, um, a jailhouse informant who received nothing for giving this information, but also because they are a jailhouse informant, we have to take it with a grain of salt, stated that David Rapasky asked him to kill his wife and DJ Wall before the trial.
0: Do you think it's legit?
1: Yeah, I think he did, especially DJ Wall.
0: Yeah, I could see that, I guess.
1: And probably because Amanda didn't back him and support him.
0: But like you said, I'm still going to take that with a grain of salt. Take it with a
1: grain of salt. It wasn't reported in a lot of places. Um, He said he would give him money in exchange for that before his trial. But instead, the man went to the police. Um, Rapasky also... One, the two things that kind of make it seem like legit is that the man did know details about the murder that weren't revealed. So... That was interesting. Okay. And also Rapasky had told him that when they started bringing in the dogs to search the woods in Forest Hills, that he got nervous about where they had buried the body. So he went back to where they buried the body and he poured ammonia over the site and traces of ammonia were found over the site.
0: Very interesting. Okay. So. Okay.
1: But again, I just, I, I do not the affair. I don't knowing the family's history i don't believe that the affair situation took place but i i i do think this is a tragic end to a family who worked really hard to get to a good healthy place and it's just it's a tragedy all around i agree it's a really sad one so it is well, it i can't believe you found it out well partially that's insane <laughs> i can't believe you did that that isn't ins- that's nuts
0: yeah i don't know i i was thinking i I was kind of like okay well could he be lying to his wife about where he's going in between his jobs then that's what i was thinking i just didn't know all the other stuff but i mean that was kind of what made me start to think maybe it's him
1: oh my god and there was a lot of other stuff (laughs) yes 370 plus other things going on Okay, well, before we go, what I want to do is I want to thank our new supporters on Patreon. So I'm going to start with the name reading. And please, if I pronounce it wrong, I need you to tell me. Alyssa Turner, Gay Fosh, Erica Dalton, Nikki Peterson, Hannah, Kelly C, Jennifer George, Sarah, Liliana Gravano, Michelle McPhee, Amber Hopkins, Beth Casto, Isabella Bothwell, Amanda Pro, Caitlin Richardson, John and Adrian, Dana Wright, Katie Jones, Tara Krasinski, Nicole Barker, Darren Falk, Donna upped her pledge for the whole year, and so did Melissa Woe, Kara Kesh, Andrea Beckert, Kelsey, Mildy, Caitlin Wiley, Katie, Dorothy Sam, Inezza Kukundal, Julia Blair, and Monica Royer. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you. We hope you're enjoying Patreon. If I butchered your name, please, please let me know because I'm sure some of them were rough. And if you pledged on Patreon and I didn't say your name, you could also reach out to us because that has happened a few times as well. But we thank you so much for joining Patreon and we truly appreciate it. All right. Until next time, guys. Don't park next to vans. Bye, guys. Bye.